Hello, 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 and welcome to TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. I'm your host, Mudupe Ogunyemi. If this is your first time of tuning in, this is the place where we share insights and knowledge to help immigrants secure the bag in their respective new countries. As always, first, a disclaimer. This is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. Okay? This is not a recommendation to buy or sell anything either. Everything we say on this podcast is for education and entertainment only. Please note that investing comes with risks, so please do your own due diligence or consult a certified financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Okay, so having said that, let's get right into today's gist. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the proposed zero down payment mortgage for Blacks and other minorities in the US. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do go listen to it and all our other episodes, actually, because there's a ton of valuable information in all of those episodes. Now, it's a great segue into our conversation for today, having spoken about, having talked about the zero down payment mortgage in the US last week. So today we're talking about houses. Houses, ladies and gentlemen, houses. Let's talk houses. Is it a good time to buy? I guess that's the million dollar question on many people's minds right now. Because there are so many things that we're hearing on the news from analysts and in different property markets, different cities, different countries. And I know it can all be a bit confusing, you know. Some are saying that now is the time to jump. Some are saying prices will crash. Some are saying prices will not crash. It's just a lot of information coming at us right now. So for me, I'll approach that question, you know, the question of, is it a great time to buy a house? I'll approach that question by, first of all, taking a few steps back and looking at all the information that we have available right now on housing markets in different cities, okay? Because we need to try and separate facts from fiction in an attempt to make sense of what's going on right now. And also, I personally am a student of history. There's an African proverb that says that there is nothing new under the sun. And I find that to be true in many cases, even in economic cycles. You know, whatever it is we are going through right now in terms of a correction or a recession or whatever it is that we are going through, it has happened before in the past. It has happened in the financial markets. We've seen downturns over the course of several decades, you know, I'm sure we all know or have heard of the Great Depression of uh, 1929, was it 1929 or 1927? But anyways, all that to say, um, history usually repeats itself. So for me personally, I like to study history and take learnings from there. So I would start by looking at how housing markets have fared in the past when the world was faced with the same or similar economic indices to what we are facing right now. Because honestly, I think history is a great teacher. So, so far from the news, we know that house prices have been sliding down in very many cities over the last few months. 
That's facts. That's not fiction. And how do I know? Bloomberg reported on the 2nd of September that the prices of homes in Toronto had fallen for the fifth straight month, which means that from, I think, about March or April, home prices in Toronto have been declining steadily every month up until the time of that report. So I guess we should say up until July or August. I'm not sure if August numbers are in yet, but that Bloomberg News article um, was published on the 2nd of September. And uh, just that stat in of itself, right, meant that home prices in Toronto had seen the largest continuous decline that the market had seen in the last five years. And that's pretty significant, okay? And we know that the multiple interest rate hikes that we've seen this year is a major factor here. Let's just stay on the price of homes as a single variable for the sake of this conversation. The price decline is pretty much the same story in other cities in Canada as well. If it's the same story in Calgary, it's the same story in Vancouver, it's the same story in all the major property markets in Canada. In the month of August, for instance, home prices dropped by 2.2% month on month in Vancouver. It dropped 4.5% in Montreal and 7% in Ottawa. And home sales were down 34% year on year. And these stats are from CanadianMortgageTrends.com, so feel free to look them up yourself. But all these to say, these are some pretty, pretty significant numbers. Nothing to sniff at at all, not by any stretch. Okay. Now that's just Canada. If you cross over to the US, home prices are falling over there as well. I mean, I saw a report on Yahoo Finance this week that said that home prices are falling in at least 98 major markets in the US. 98, that's almost 100. Okay. In fact, some analysts in the U.S. are already saying that the U.S. property market is in a recession. And what a housing recession means is that activities in that sector, you know, activities relating to the housing industry, things like sales and all other indicators that you use to determine a thriving sector of the economy, those activities are contracting sharply in the U.S. market, okay? The prices of houses in markets like San Francisco, for instance, is down 8.2% this year. Seattle is down 7%. I mean, I could go on and on, but I don't want to bore you with stats, but I think you get the general idea. So the question is, is it a good time to buy a home or should you just drink water and look away for now? <laughs> like we would say in Lagos, should I just drink water and mind my business? Okay. You know, like I said, I personally, I like to learn from history, okay? And in the past, we have seen housing market corrections happen a lot. Um, we still saw one back in 2005, 2006, but here's the difference. What usually happens with housing market corrections is that house inventory levels rise significantly. So the supply of houses grows and grows and grows until it outpaces demand and then prices fall, which makes sense, you know, uh, supply and demand, the, law, the laws of supply and demand. But in this instance, in this current market, inventory levels haven't grown. As a matter of fact, housing inventory levels haven't grown from where they were 
before the pandemic. Okay. So inventory levels haven't grown yet. Prices are falling, which is a bit of a funny situation because the price movements that we are seeing is not being driven because the price movement that we are seeing is not being driven by the usual forces of supply and demand, but rather it seems to be moving based on the cost of accessing money with which to buy the homes. So mortgage rates have climbed up significantly. And because of that, buyers are choosing not to buy houses right now. So properties for sale are sitting on the market for much longer than before. And sellers are having to either take their houses off the market or lower the list price. So affordability is what is weighing on the housing market right now, not necessarily the economic forces of supply and demand. So to answer the question of whether this is a good time to buy a home or not, the starting point should be, can you afford to buy a house now? It's as simple as that. Can you afford to buy a house? Period. And the usual rule of thumb for knowing what you can afford and what you cannot afford is to look at your debt to income ratio. Typically, your debt to income ratio should not be higher than around 30, 35, 36%. So take a look at all the debt that you currently service. That's your car note, your phone, your student loan, everything that you currently service. And then add on top of that, add an extra layer of the mortgage that you are looking to get into or that you would potentially get into if you were to purchase a house right now. Look at that and then run the numbers. Does everything come to around a third of your income in terms of repayment? If yes, then good on you. Perhaps you can afford to buy a house now. If the answer is no, then perhaps you cannot afford to buy that house right now. And that's it, really. Run the numbers. Run the numbers. Look at the numbers. How is your income looking? How would it look if you were to take on an extra layer of a mortgage right now, given the current property prices and given the current interest rates as well? So given the current mortgage rates. And also give yourself a buffer of uh, maybe an extra few percentage points just in case interest rates continue to go up in the coming months. Okay. And that's really it. Buying a house, really, if you were to ask me, again, I'm not a financial advisor, but I, I would say that buying a house should not stretch you to the point where you are emptying your bank account completely to make that initial purchase, to make that initial down payment and all the other you know, costs associated with buying a house, closing costs, legal fees, and all of that. If you need to empty your bank account and your safety net, assuming you have one, in order to make that purchase, then maybe it might not be the right timing for you. Maybe continue to save for a while more until you have enough to be able to put that money down without going into your safety net. Okay. And also you shouldn't be spending too much of your income servicing debt. You shouldn't be spending up to 80% of your income, for instance, paying your mortgage, 
your property tax, your car loan, and all of that. If buying a home will take up that much of your income, then you cannot afford that house. Or maybe find something cheaper. Or maybe wait some more to see how the market plays out or to build up your purchasing power or both, okay? And I know that we are programmed to believe that, you know, renting is bad and buying a house is both a huge investment, is both a huge achievement and a a huge wealth generator. And I agree that buying a home can be a great way for you to build your net worth. But as with everything, if you do not do it right, you can get it very, very wrong. It is possible to be house rich and cash poor. And to be very honest with you, in my books, in my opinion, that's still poor. I mean, what's the uh, essence of me having a multi-million dollar house and I don't have $2 in my safety net? You know, I personally, I wouldn't want to set myself up or set my finances up that way because a house is not a very liquid investment, okay? A, a house is not something that you can flip uh, for money instantaneously or within a day or two. You cannot say, oh, I'm broke, I need money, but I have this multi-million dollar house, let me put it up for sale and get some quick cash. It doesn't work that way. You can't always do that. I mean, I have a friend who sold her house in one day, uh, but that was when, uh, that was during the pandemic when property, when houses were hot and all of that, I don't think that any seller is able to sell a house within 24 hours or within two, three days right now. Again, it will depend on the location of, of the property, where the property is, how much it is and all of that. And again, do not forget that interest rates have gone up, mortgage rates are, have gone up. A lot of potential buyers are choosing to stay on the sidelines right now. They are simply not biting. That's what we are seeing in the market. Buyers are simply not biting right now. So you cannot say, oh, I need quick cash. I'm going to put my house up for sale uh, to get money to deal with that emergency that I have. It takes a while for property sales to go through. Even if you were to get a buyer immediately, it takes a while to close a property sale. So unlike some more liquid assets like stocks, for instance, that you can sell almost instantaneously. So I personally do not think that it is a great idea to put everything you have into a home. Just imagine you have an emergency, you know, God forbid, but you can't pull out that money from the home immediately. You may not be able to. This is why a lot of, you know, investors prefer to diversify their portfolio so they have a bit of everything. So, you know, a a great portfolio or a wealth building portfolio would be one that has different assets in it, you know, some stocks, some bonds, some real estate, some this, some that. You know, ideally that's that's what it should look like. You shouldn't tie down or put all your eggs in one basket. That's just me personally. Again, this isn't financial advice, but I would say that my definition of affordability will be something that you can buy and still have a comfortable financial buffer tucked away somewhere for a rainy day. If you need to empty your safety nets to buy something, anything, be it a house or a car, guy, you cannot afford that thing. It's as simple as that. If you have to use up majority of your earnings on a recurrent basis to pay for something, okay, 
You cannot afford that thing. Maybe don't buy it just yet. Okay. So yeah, whether property prices are up or down or sideways, the rule of thumb for me personally is to always gauge affordability on an individual case by case basis. Can you afford it? Can I afford it? Only I can answer that question for myself based on my own numbers, okay? And only you can answer that question for yourself based on your own numbers. Whatever the case may be though, please, please, please always do your research, especially when it comes to making financial decisions. Speak to competent financial planners and be crystal clear of what your numbers are and how they're looking, okay? Beyond the sentiments and the initial rush of dopamine, you know, that you get from closing a deal and owning your own home and looking at that beautiful property sitting there, remember that after you get the key, you're going to get the bills. And those bills will come on a recurrent basis for a very long time. So please, please, please choose wisely. Okay. With that, we've come to the end of today's episode of TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. If you found this useful, please share with your friends, share with your family, share with your colleagues, share with everyone so they all can benefit from the tips and insights that we share here to help all immigrants secure the bag. Until next week, when we bring another episode of TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast, your way again. Keep your friends close, keep your money closer, and keep your family closest.